Good mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, ask any business owner about the top issues they're struggling with these days, and nearly universally, you will hear about the worker shortage, how the U.S. Chamber of Commerce is lobbying Congress to address the problem. Also this morning in our community and business spotlight, mom, dad, and all the kids invited to get out and get active together at the second annual Family Fitness Fair. We'll meet the Ohio authors behind the new children's picture book, Bryson the Brave Bison, ahead of their official book launch event next week at the University of Findlay. And another collection of yummy recipes from Kyra's Kitchen. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Friday, June 23rd, 2023. Among the news worth knowing this morning, the most interesting and buzzworthy stories of the day, the Economic Intelligence Unit, uh, which is a branch of the publication The Economist. You're familiar with The Economist. Their Economic Intelligence Unit has just released their latest list of the most livable cities in the world for 2023. And the number of American cities in the top 10? Zero. Nada. Zip. As a matter of fact, no American city has ever made the top 10 in this list since they started ranking the most livable cities in the world in 2009. Uh, Vienna is number one. Vienna, Austria, followed by Copenhagen, Melbourne, Australia, Sydney, Australia. So Australia doing very well. Vancouver, Zurich, Calgary, Geneva, Toronto, so two cities from Canada in the top 10, Osaka, Japan, and Auckland, New Zealand are the uh, most livable cities in the world. And I thought that was interesting. Uh, two from Australia and one from New Zealand. Uh, the land down under, it's like everything will kill you. <laughs> There's uh, every living creature will kill you in these, and yet it is somehow still the most livable cities in the world. The rankings are based on healthcare quality, culture, education, and crime, among other factors, and zero American cities on the list. So make of that what you will, but I thought it was uh, kind of interesting, the latest list of the world's most livable cities. On the other hand, uh, U.S. News & World Report is out with their list of the best places to live, and... You know, it is U.S. News and World Report. So these are the cities in the U.S. that are the best places to live. Uh, Green Bay, Wisconsin is number one. So clearly weather was not <laughs> one, of the, one of the factors uh, in creating this ranking. Green Bay, Wisconsin, followed by Huntsville, Alabama, and Raleigh-Durham, North Carolina was third. Uh, according to... The U.S. News & World Report website, the ratings are based on a variety of factors, including affordability, education, quality of life, job market, and desirability. Uh, they say Green Bay has the perfect mix of big city amenities and a Midwestern small town feel. So, again, make of that what you will. Take that, Zurich, Vienna, Toronto, uh, let's see. Speaking of uh, cities, new analysis by Zillow finds that the uh, real estate marketplace, you know, Zillow uh, analysis says the biggest spike in the nation in rent increases. First in the nation for rent increases between May of 2022 and May of this year, Cincinnati, Ohio. So, hey, at least we've got one city on one of these lists, right? Probably not the one you want to be on. Cincinnati's rental prices over the past year rose by 7.9%, beating out larger areas in the country, including New York and California. The uh, rise comes after rents increased by 39% in Cincinnati between 2021 and 2022. Uh, city officials say it's due to a lack of available housing. So the housing that is available get much, much more pricey. So thinking of moving, Cincinnati is probably not the best place to go. Elsewhere, some of the other most interesting and buzzworthy stories of the day. Um, now, this is, <laughs> I saw this uh, on the uh, Newswire, and I said, this is research from the file of, duh. It is a new study out of the Netherlands. 
that found that um, being intimate with your significant other right before bed could reduce the amount of time it takes to fall asleep. (laughs) No kidding. (laughs) Really, we needed a scientific study to tell us that. I mean, guys have been doing this for decades. She rolls over and wants to cuddle and you're already zonked. (laughs) Uh, But it is, we have a quantifiable scientific study on this apparently and scientists believe a surge of the hormone prolactin is what causes uh this it uh, actually could reduce the amount of time it takes to fall asleep by 20 percent <laughs> so there you go uh i read that though and i think hey i think we found a cure for insomnia <clears throat> All right. Uh, What else is going on? Uh, This is big news. Get ready for lab-grown meat in your favorite restaurant. The U.S. Department of Agriculture has approved the sale of lab-grown chicken in the United States, which makes us the second nation in the world to allow the sale of meat grown from animal cells in steel tanks, lab-grown meat. They basically put the uh, animal cells in a Petri dish, dish and they, uh, they split it. They create meat out of thin air, basically. Singapore, the only other nation in the world uh, to approve lab-grown meat for uh, sale and human consumption. They say it could be an alternative to farming live animals, or at the very least, it could supplement the farming of live animals for a world population that is growing. And of course, they're not making any more farmland. So uh, we like to imagine that chickens across America are celebrating, says the CEO of Upside Foods in a press release. <laughs> for now, you can try a bite at Bar Cren. A San Francisco restaurant is the first to sell it. Bar Cren. Lab-grown chicken will also soon be sold at a yet-to-be-disclosed location in Washington, D.C. That is next up. If you have a hankering for lab-grown chicken, I would imagine, though, and I don't know, the story doesn't say this, do they, are the the places required to disclose that it's lab-grown? I would think that they would have to. I mean, they would have to tell people, hey, this is lab-grown meat. They can't just put it on the menu and sneak it by you. But I don't know. And uh, also among the first things you need to know this morning, the most interesting and buzzworthy stories of the day, apparently we are getting older in this country. I know we're all getting older, but I'm talking about the median age of the nation. The U.S. Census Bureau recently revealed that America's median age has inched closer to the big 4 uh, Our population now uh, is uh, checking in at a ripe 38.9 years of age. That is the median age of people in America, 38.9 years. It seems that the baby boomers and their echo boomer offspring, also known as millennials, are gradually shaping the demographic landscape, it says. Christy Wilder, who is a demographer from the Census Bureau, notes as the nation's median age creeps closer to 40, you can really see how the aging of baby boomers and now their children is impacting the median age. While the country experiences positive natural change due to more births than deaths, The birth rates have gradually declined over the past couple of decades. And she predicts that without a rapidly growing young population, our median age in this country will continue its slow but steady ascent. On the state level, 17 states have already crossed the uh, 40-year age median age mark. 17 states. Maine is the oldest state. At 44.8 years, median years. Uh, New Hampshire is 43.3. Utah is 31.9 on the lowest end of the spectrum. Utah. 
Uh, D.C. is at 34.8, and the state of Texas is at 35.5. So those are the lowest median ages in the nation. Uh, Surprisingly, no state experienced a decrease in median age, but five states, including West Virginia, seem content with keeping things steady. They had no change. Um, In the realm of counties, they break this down county by county. Uh, The median age ranged from 20.9 to 68.1. So that was the uh, range in the county-by-county breakdown. This is really interesting stuff, and all of these uh, numbers. I have not seen the full report to know where Ohio ranks or where Hancock County ranks, but I suppose if you go to the Census Bureau website, you can probably find that and dig as deep into the numbers as you like. But if you are thinking, man, we're getting older, well, you're right. <laughs> we, we are getting older, not just individually, but as a country. There you go. Some of the most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your Friday morning started. WFIN News. I'm Matt Demchek. Your WTOL 11 weather. Some showers are possible today. A high in the low 70s. Chance of showers tonight. A low in the mid 60s. The Hancock Historical Museum and Hancock Regional Planning Commission will be holding a public forum on historic preservation. Sarah Sisser is executive director of the Hancock Historical Museum. The goal of the forum is really an opportunity for the museum to help to educate the community about the concept of historic preservation, what it is, how we can do it. If we determine that we want to make it a priority in our community, what are next steps? The forum will be held next Thursday at the Finley Municipal Building. Get more of our conversation with Sarah about the topic of historic preservation with this story on our website. The Republican-dominated Ohio House approved two controversial bills targeting gender identity and gender-affirming care. House Bill 8 requires schools to notify parents when teaching about sexuality or when they request a new gender identity. House Bill 68 would ban gender-affirming care and transgender athletes from participating in women's and girls' sports. Both bills overwhelmingly passed, despite heavy opposition from the LGBTQ plus community. Both bills now head to the Senate. I'm Andrew Kinsey. The Findlay Police Department has promoted Justin Hendren to the position of captain. Hendren began his career with the Findlay Police Department in 1999. He has served in various positions with the department over the years and was the department's officer of the year in 2003. Captain Hendren will be sworn in by the mayor on Monday afternoon at City Hall. The Ohio State football program had several big recruits in last weekend, so how many are they expected to land? Bucknuts recruiting expert Bill Curlick telling me he believes the Buckeyes will land up to six of those players they had here over the weekend. The number one team in the country right now recruiting-wise is Georgia, and they have 19 commitments. The number two team is just barely ahead of Ohio State, and that being Michigan. But Michigan already has 21 commitments. Ohio State only has 14. So I think you're going to see Ohio State go by Michigan and move into at least second place. I'm Dom Tiberi. The Buckeyes will open the upcoming season on the road, taking on Indiana on Saturday, September 2nd. Get more news online anytime at WFIN.com. So if you uh, ask any business owner about the top issues that they are struggling with these days, nearly universally, you will hear about the worker shortage. You know, earlier this week, we were talking about how some cities have actually resorted to paying people to relocate there uh, because jobs going unfilled, not enough qualified candidates, not enough people willing to work. Just some of the common narratives you will hear from the owners of all types of businesses of all sizes. Well, confronting this challenge is a top priority for the U.S. Chamber of Commerce. And joining us this morning is Executive Vice President, Chief Policy Officer, and Head of Strategic Advocacy for the U.S. Chamber, Neil Bradley. Neil, first off, why is this such a big deal? I mean, beyond the obvious, how does this labor shortage affect businesses? Well, let's start with right there in Ohio. Uh, Right now, when you see those help wanted signs, know this. There are 20% more help wanted signs in Ohio than there are people looking for work. If we got every unemployed person a job today, we'd still have 20% of those jobs that we couldn't fill. What's that mean? 
construction companies, landscaping companies who rely on getting workers in these summer months to get projects done can't meet demand. Restaurants that are short-staffed, they have to close part of their dining rooms. Even high-tech facilities. We got great news uh, earlier this year. Big investments coming to Ohio Mm -hmm. to make semiconductors. Biggest problem? We don't have the people to staff the facility. So, and so if we don't uh, get a handle on this, we're going to we're going to really hold America back. So what solutions then are you offering or uh, offering up or, or advocating for to help ease this pressure? What's the key? We got to do a little bit of all of the above, help working parents with affordable child care, for example, but we really have to fix our broken legal immigration system. Today, it's easier to come into the country illegally than it is often legally. Um, we can fix that. We can change that. We can update our system, which we haven't done in over 40 years, to actually make it match our workforce demands. Today, we graduate hundreds of thousands of people who came to the United States from another country, paid full tuition at our universities. Most say they want to stay, and we're telling 90% of them, thanks but no thanks. You know where they're going? They're going to Canada. All this means is that we're shooting ourselves in the foot, and that's what we're calling on Congress to fix. What about those who uh, argue that uh, one of the root causes is businesses not offering wages and benefits that workers feel is commiserate with the jobs that they are being offered? It's not that people don't want to work. It's that they don't want to work for what you're offering. Well, businesses are raising wages, but uh, the simple answer to it is, it's a demographic problem. So mm-hmm. um, the baby boom generation, that's my parents' generation, right. they're retiring today. And that's wonderful. We want them to have a, a great, relaxing retirement. But here's the problem. The generations below the baby boom generation are just smaller. There's just not enough of us in the lower and the younger generations to actually fill all the open jobs. So uh, this is, um, is, is my... Uh, uh, third grade math teacher said, this is just a math problem, and it's pretty simple numbers, and that's why uh, we need to adjust our legal immigration system to help fix it. What can business owners on an individual uh, level do, uh, and, and are is there a role for, for customers uh, to play in Absolutely. all of this? Absolutely. So at the Chamber, we've launched a nationwide coalition called the Liberty Coalition, Legal Immigration Border Enforcement Reform this year. We're proud to be partnered up uh, with the Ohio Chamber of Commerce, for example, and we're urging people to go to callingforliberty.org. That's callingforliberty.org to urge our elected officials uh, to do something to fix these problems, to remind them that they work for us and we're counting on them to secure the border, to modernize our legal immigration system, to help meet our workforce needs. Everybody knows that this is a problem, it seems. Even those in Congress know that it's a problem, but it still doesn't seem like there is much of an appetite to do the heavy lifting it will take to actually resolve this problem. It seems like those on either side of the aisle are just simply too far apart to see a path forward. How optimistic are you that any of this makes any difference? Well, I'm optimistic that if the American people, the American business community uh, put pressure on our elected officials, they'll act. You know, the biggest challenge that we have today is it's easier for our elected officials to do nothing and to blame the other party than it is for them to come together to find reasonable compromises and help solve some of these problems. So we have to change that. These folks work for us, and we have to remind them that inaction is unacceptable and that we have to push them to help find these bipartisan compromises. So uh, I'm an eternal optimist. I think we can fix this. Um, We just need to come together at uh, callingforliberty.org to make it happen. And no coincidence that the next presidential election cycle is beginning to heat up. Uh, Certainly part of the goal is to put some pressure to make this a a top uh, issue, a top talking point for the candidates. No? Absolutely it is. But I'll say this, that's not good enough. Um, you know, we're a year and a half out from the next election, and I know it feels like it's tomorrow, but a year and a half is a long time. I want Congress to do something now. They should do something this year. Why wait? There are simple things that we can do. Put more resources on the border. Speed up the process of getting people court dates. 
update the legal immigration numbers. We can make smart, sensible changes. There is no reason to wait. Um, uh, waiting is what's gotten us into this mess. It's time for action. Again, Neil Bradley is Executive Vice President, Chief Policy Officer, and Head of Strategic Advocacy for the U.S. Chamber of Commerce. Neil, thanks very much for uh, taking the time sharing your viewpoint. We appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Chris. Have a great day. Now, the Good Mornings Community and Business Spotlight. Coming up tomorrow, a big event happening. Uh, it's the second annual Family Fitness Fair. And Lisa Mansfield, the uh, Finley uh, Parks and Rec Department, is uh, with us this morning, giving us uh, all the details. You know, the, the goal is just to, to we want to provide fun activities uh, for the entire family to come out, uh, participate. Um, we've got all sorts of fun things. Uh, we're going to have our Keep Active bus there with, with probably obstacle course and some backyard games. Uh, there's going to be some inflatables there. Uh, one of them, I think, is axe throwing inflatables, <laughs> just to be clear, inflatables. <laughs> okay. uh, and right. uh, the Velcro wall that kids can run and jump sure. and stick themselves to. And, you know, balloon animals, face painting, uh, XT Fitness will have their ninja course set up. So so often we talk about keeping kids active in the summertime. We all need to get active. And how, how many times do we say we need to do things together as a family? Yes. So that brings yes. all of that together. It really does, you know. And that's, uh, you know, any time that the family can have fun activities together, uh, that everybody gets a fun takeaway from, it's a, it's a win for everybody. So this is happening tomorrow. Where and when? So this will be at XT Fitness uh, up on North Main Street. Okay. Uh, and it's from 11 to 3. Uh, and these activities will be going on the entire time. Uh, while those activities are going on, uh, Heavenly Pizza is going to be there selling uh, pizzas by the slice. And Kona Ice will have uh, their, uh, their ices there. Uh, and then all of, all of the proceeds from this is going to go to uh, Children's Mentoring Connection. That's the other uh, great part of this is it's for a, a good cause. Yes. So, I mean, it's a win-win-win all the way around. Absolutely. So there are a lot of benefits that families get from, you know, these taking part in, in these kinds of activities. And I know we've talked about that in, in the past um, from better health, uh, more family togetherness, you know, the list goes on and on and on. Mm -hmm. But hopefully an event like this is not a one off in the sense that you it will it will springboard people to be inspired to do things like this moving forward. Well, that's really it. You know, I mean, we we don't care what people are doing as long as they're being outside or, or being active in general. You yeah. know, it can be inside walking, moving, yeah. uh, whatever that looks like. Uh, but, you know, as you mentioned, the, the family aspect of it, uh, you know, so much of the time when we think about uh, activity, we think the physical well, we don't think about the mental and I mean it's just it's it's so overarching you know it just being active just how good it is for your health overall physical and mental health um, I know for me personally I feel so much better my my clarity and mind is much better mm -hmm. when I've worked out and yeah and I think everybody feels that. Yeah, absolutely. And by the way, all of the activities uh, are free for yes. everyone who wants to come out, right? Yes, they are. They're they're all free. The activities are. Uh, the only thing uh, that, that you would pay for would be the, the slice of the pizza yep. or the ices. And, exactly. And as we said, part of those proceeds, along with all of our sponsor proceeds, are, is going to go to Children's Mentoring Connection. So we encourage everybody to come out. And, and uh, I know people think sometimes, oh, you're talking about healthy lifestyle and pizza and ices well it's still you know uh, there's a thing called moderation too yeah, so exactly. you know having a slice sure. of pizza is not going to hurt you no, you know it's, it's a good thing especially at an event like this where you get plenty of opportunity to work it off right so. exactly, exactly. Uh, again it's at XT Fitness on North Main Street and uh, it is happening from when to when tomorrow it's from 11 to 3 tomorrow right. make sure that you uh, drop by again uh, Lisa Mansfield the uh, Finley Parks and Recreation Department with us talking about the Family Fitness Fair tomorrow Thanks to the folks at Heavenly Pizza for making it possible for you to be with us this morning. Lisa, thanks very much. Thank you. The Community and Business Spotlight is a promotional advertisement paid for by the featured sponsor. story this morning. We are uh, thrilled to be joined by Nate Davenport and Luke Cunningham. They are the co-authors of the new children's picture book, Bryson the Brave Bison. 
ahead of their official book launch event, which is happening next week at the University of Findlay in conjunction with the uh, Mazza Museum. And uh, Nate, Luke, thanks very much uh, to both of you for uh, joining us this morning. Certainly appreciate it. So uh, thanks for having us. First of all, uh, what is the story of Bryson, the brave bison, all about? So Bryson is a story about a uh, an underwhelming hero that comes out of a herd of bison and rewrites the history books. Um, he's not the biggest, he's not the strongest, but man, he's brave and he's courageous, and he finds a way to lead his uh, herd and his friends through a through a predicament in an interesting way. Uh, and and how does he do that? I mean, does he how does he summon this courage uh, to to do this? Luke, you want to cover yeah, that? Yeah. So, yeah. So, uh, one thing, just to preface that, bison. Many people don't know this, but bison, when an actual storm's coming in real life, they instead of running away like cows and squirrels and other animals, they actually choose to face the storm head on. And so, in the book, Bryson chooses to use his uh, bison strength, and he chooses to head into the storm and face it. And like we like to say, he likes to face, chooses to face the storm. And even though he's not the strongest and fastest, like Nate said, courage is a choice. And so, Bryson chooses courage and leads his pals and his herd through the storm. And obviously the point of the story is to impart that lesson to young people. A hundred percent. So uh, we, we use Bryson as an analogy to help encourage and teach kids and families that even when we face hard times and challenges in life, you know, instead of running away, we can face those head on. And ultimately we get the greener pastures just like Bryson did by going through the storm instead of running away from challenges. So how did you come up with the idea for this story? I mean, and, and uh, making this story centering it around Bryson, the brave bison. Yeah. So I, I can, I can touch on that. I, I've wanted for many, many years to write a children's book. My, my father's actually an author and I've got two kids of my own. Uh, Luke has five kiddos, so we're really, really busy these days. So you and, could just uh, sell it within your family and have a best right, summer. Right, yeah, almost. Do, yeah, do great. <laughs> <laughs> we played played college baseball together, so been buddies for quite some time at Cedarville University. And, um, and, and for many years, wanted to write a, a kid's book and just kind of leave a legacy for my kids. I know Luke had, had had kind of the same uh, mindset of wanting to do things that would last, you know, for generations. And um, so when, when I thought, man, I really want to try to do this, I remembered Luke telling me about the American bison many years before, and we had reconnected after college and uh, our lives really going kind of in the same direction. And I reached out and we said, man, we've got to do something together. And so the, the theme of the bison and charging into the storm really came from Luke, um, a courageous guy in his own right. Um, he was in the, the military and EOD bomb squad commander. And so I thought, man, what a cool guy to partner with on this book, and it came to reality. Well, that was uh, the other question that I wanted to ask is, uh, obviously, the two of you uh, have been friends for, for quite some time. How, how the two of you came together uh, to co-author this book? Yeah, so we played baseball together there um, at Cedarville University. So mm -hmm. our paths really kind of came together there, realized that we had a lot in common. Um, really is, you know, what we wanted to be and trying to be, you know, men of character and, um, you know, working with youth even at that point and, and people who maybe didn't have um, male figures or father figures in their lives. So after that, um, surprisingly enough, we both ended up in our professional careers in medical and pharmaceutical sales and in leadership. And um, so really, we just kind of came back together um, and, and decided what a cool project. Luke, you want to add anything? Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, I think it's just, it's a Nate and I are obviously in fatherhood mode right now, you know, with, with between the two of us, we have seven kids under the age of eight. And so <laughs> we're super passionate about being intentional dads, you know, and we wanted to teach our kids strong character traits. And so this was a great opportunity to do something, you know, with one of my best friends and have a blast and help, help, uh, you know, our kids learn a character trait that we're passionate about, but also share it with other families. And uh, where in the world did you find the time to, <laughs> to, to write them? Because you're actually, uh, you're actually in different, uh, different places. Was I'm assuming that a lot of this was done like via the internet and, and all of that and putting the book together. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We had a lot of FaceTime calls. <laughs> I'm, I'm, uh, I'm currently in, in Huntington, West Virginia, moving my family to Lexington. Luke's currently, um, or, or just outside of Columbus, moving 
his family rural to a farm in, in Granville area. So we're literally in the same mode of life, even building homes and moving <laughs> right now. So a lot of FaceTime, as a if, lot of late night calls. <laughs> as if you didn't have enough going on already. Uh, so here's the here's the burning question, the, the big question, the most important question that I have. Whose idea was the name? Bryson the Brave Bison? Because I've been practicing that all morning. I want to know who to blame. <laughs> you can blame me. Okay. Uh, you can blame me. Yeah. Yeah. I was actually, uh, I was in, in the vehicle with my dad and, uh, we had uh, a moment where we like to try to bounce ideas off of each other. He's an author, you know, I, I love writing and rhyming. And we had a moment like, uh, if you've ever seen the movie elf where they just can't come up with a book idea and they bring in miles Finch and they're throwing all these ideas out. And I said, <laughs> what about a bison? And I guess his name could be Bryson. And, the, t- the tongue twister started from there. So, <laughs> <laughs> so as we mentioned, uh, the official book launch event is happening on Tuesday. This is going to happen at the university. It's in conjunction with the uh, Mazza Museum, uh, but it's actually going to take place at the Alumni Memorial Union, 630 on Tuesday at the uh, University of Finley campus. Uh, I'm guessing a lot of things be going on. Going to uh, read the book, uh, meet with uh, folks, autograph copies of the book and, and so on. Yeah, and one thing I'll share too to add to that is uh, New York Times bestseller Richard Cowdery, our illustrator for the book, will also be joining us. He's an incredibly talented artist, and so um, he knows the Mazda Museum well. So we're really just excited to to connect with folks there. Yeah, real quickly uh, on that, uh, for those uh, who don't recognize the name, he was also the illustrator of the uh, Fiona the Hippo uh, books from a few years ago that I know were really popular when Fiona the uh, Hippo baby premium baby hippo at the at the uh, cincinnati zoo went viral and they wrote the uh, the books how did you get connected with him yeah richard's an incredible guy go ahead Nate. no no it's it's, it's a hilarious yeah. story I, I just want to preface it luke and i are both both salesmen and uh we, that's what we do for a living and so luke go for it bud i want you this yeah. is a great story yeah yeah so so with that being said obviously we put on the sales hat richard uh is not far from where i grew up and so uh, I learned, I, I knew and only he was an artist, but didn't realize how kind of a big of an artist and, and how incredibly talented he was with children's books. So he had mm-hmm. a book signing event in downtown Columbus area. So I grabbed my daughter. <laughs> I said, you know what? We're going to just, we're just going to go down there and say, hey, I'm just going to share Bryson the Brave Bison with them. And I figured we had no shot. And so I ended up bringing my daughter there. We hung out for an hour at this book signing, connected with him, shared the manuscript. He jokes to this day because he gets these every week, right? I mean, it's not, <laughs> all kinds of people are reaching out to him. And uh, after a couple months of he just couldn't couldn't put it away. And he jokes like, I can't believe that, you know, and it was on his heart, you know, to do this. And we connected and well, we couldn't be asked for a more incredible uh, artist to do this book. I mean, he brought the, brought Bryson to life in a crazy, incredible incredible way well and there's a lesson uh for kids right there i mean my mom always used to tell me you don't get anything you don't ask for so you gotta ask so that's there you go yeah um that's right and, and by the way the other thing uh about the uh, book launch that i should mention is the uh, first 75 families uh, are going to get a free copy of bryson the brave bison courtesy of the uh, community foundation stepping up to uh cover the cost of that so really really cool looking forward to uh, seeing all of you there for the official book launch event again it is 6 30 on tuesday at the university of finley alumni memorial union and uh, again nate davenport luke cunningham co-authors of bryson the brave bison i can't believe i got through the whole thing and didn't mess that up once thanks very much for uh, taking the time uh, looking forward to a great book and best of luck with the book hey thanks Thank for having you. us we appreciate it we interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. Leading off today's broken news is the story of David Romero, who was arrested at a store in Palm Coast, Florida, the other day under suspicion of theft. And as the store's security officers were escorting him to the office, <laughs> an adult toy, pink in color, fell out of his pants. <laughs> As he was being escorted to the office, an adult toy, pink in color, fell out of his pants. A search uncovered additional explicit, intimate items. Let's put it that way. Uh, Now, to be fair, if you were going to steal such things, where else would you hide them? I mean, you think about it. (laughs) Mr. Romero claimed the items were for his wife. Well, I would hope so. 
Meanwhile, he is also a suspect in five other shoplifting incidents in Palm Coast because apparently they were planning a party. <laughs> no, I just made that part up. I don't know, but <laughs> that'd be embarrassing, wouldn't it? That'd be very embarrassing. Elsewhere in the broken news, this at the Glastonbury Festival, uh, which is in the UK, I believe uh, London's West End is where uh, this music festival is held, the Glastonbury Festival. And apparently something really wild happened the other day. A video of a jetpack wearing pizza delivery man had diners wondering if rocket men are the future of pizza delivery. This is actually really cool. The video sh footage shows a Domino's delivery guy in a custom-made jetpack suit um, picking up uh, pizza boxes at one of the chain's locations and then blasting off, delivering, <laughs> delivering the pizzas in it. I've never seen a jet suit, let alone one delivering pizzas, according to festival-goer Natalie Dixon. I can't wait to see one land on my doorstep <laughs> sometime in the future. According to Domino's, the idea comes from the original Rocket Man. Elton John is one of those uh, artists headlining uh, at the Glastonbury Festival this weekend. So that's. What... I'll tell you what, it sure beats the electric delivery cars that they have in this country, isn't it? I mean, <laughs> let's let's get those here. That's what we need. Uh, some of the other uh, odd and unusual items in the news. Speaking of uh, Great Britain, this was uh, kind of interesting. A uh, British engineer by the name of Sean Kennedy is trying to figure out how rabbits, rabbits came to possess some personal letters from a woman from 40 years ago. Apparently, he was uh, digging for a gas line uh, to do some repairs or something. And uh, found at the bottom of a rabbit hole that he came across, correspondence, um, all of the letters uh, were addressed to Miss Jane and were dated between 1976 and 1982. He found a bunch of letters in, the, uh, in, in this rabbit hole. They do not appear to be damaged, and the contents are really nothing to write home about. There's nothing scandalous, just ordinary letters, he said. He has posted photos on social media in hopes that someone will claim the documents. I just thought it was weird. And boy, you talk about going down the rabbit hole. Quite literally, actually. No, actually, now that was kind of a weak gag now that I think about it. So let's move on. Uh, you might have heard about this. Apparently, Washington State now has the highest gas prices in the country, surpassing uh, California and Hawaii which are historically the highest uh, gas prices, but now Washington State. And uh, some thieves there in Washington are now going to extreme, extreme lengths for the liquid gold. Beverly Reed said she left her condo in Seattle the other day to go to work, only to find an empty jug near her 2011 Kia Sorento and a hole drilled into her gas tank. Somebody drilled a hole into her gas tank and drained it out. Um, she had to replace the tank on her vehicle, which set her back $1,300. She said, I really wish the thieves would have just knocked on my door. I would have given them money for gas. <laughs> for, for what it costs to replace the tank. Uh, just don't drill my tank. I'll give you the gas. I will, I will fill your tank up. Just don't drill a hole in my tank. I... I guess that would actually be a thing. You could put a sign on your uh, vehicle. Don't steal my gas. Don't drill a hole in my tank. I'll buy you gas. And a couple of other uh, items here in the broken news. Uh, this is, again, from the United Kingdom, but an American family. I don't know if you heard about this. Crazy story. An American family living in the U.K., got more than they bargained for when they advertised for a live-in dog nanny position. <laughs> the uh, job posting um, caused an explosion of interest with the number of applicants uh, skyrocketing to 2,000 2, applicants in just a few days, according to this uh, report. The job opening was posted on a prestigious recruitment agency um, it was advertised through a prestigious recruitment agency in London. The job description 
outlined the responsibilities of the dog nanny. Uh, They include providing exceptional care, coordinating vet appointments, and ensuring the dog's comfort and safety during travels. Um, Well, the family's identity and the breed of the dog uh, remains a dog or dogs uh, remains a mystery. The overwhelming response left the family astounded. Um, The quest for the ultimate dog nanny has turned into a frenzy of epic proportions with hopeful applicants vying for the coveted role. Um, and maybe it would, it's because the salary that they were advertising for a dog nanny, $127,000 to care for this family's dogs. That's more than veterinarians make sometimes. I mean, that's more than a vet makes just to babysit the dogs. Where, where do I sign up for that job? No wonder they had 2,000 applicants. That's a family with way too much money. You know what I mean? That's way too much money. You can pay $127,000 for somebody to babysit your dogs. Uh, Let's see. When my neighbor, when we go away and and have to leave the dog for a couple of days, our neighbor watches the dog. We buy him deeches, and that seems to be enough. Raising the bar there. And finally, in the broken news this morning, (laughs) a police department in Georgia is being investigated for using a photo of a black man for target practice during a gun safety class. Yeah, this this seems like a bad idea. (laughs) That just seems like a bad idea. Villa Rica police recently posted photos of the training on its Facebook page, and uh, some eagle-eyed viewers noticed that participants were aiming guns at uh, targets that featured a life-size image of a black man pointing a gun and wearing a beanie. The backlash on social media uh, was extreme, and the uh, photos have since been taken down in a follow-up Facebook post on Wednesday. The department apologized, saying it was never our intention to be insensitive, inflammatory, or offensive to everyone. But I'm thinking, in this day and age, did nobody stop and think that this might not be the best idea? Did nobody stop and think? I mean, really. You could have seen that coming a mile away. There you go. That is today's broken news report. An update on the odd and unusual side of the headlines. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. Ever wonder what being a Findlay Rotarian is all about? I'm Angela Dubosky, CEO of the United Way of Hancock County. Being a Rotarian offers meaningful connections with community leaders and to what's going on in organizations across Hancock County. To become part of an organization that brings together business, professional leaders to provide community service and advance goodwill, all part of a worldwide service club, contact Findlay Rotary at FindlayRotary.org and click on join. This message provided by WFIN. So before we get to Kyra's Kitchen, our daily download this morning, the numbers behind the news and the statistics that shape our lives, it has to do with food. And so uh, that's why I wanted to to do this here. Um, In a new survey of 2,000 women who have recently given birth, 89% experienced at least one food craving. 89%. So if you... After giving birth. Well, during pregnancy, oh, they, during they spoke pregnancy. to the they okay. spoke to them after they gave birth. I mean, okay. these were but these were these new were mothers that had just given birth, but they had cravings. Right. Yeah. They had cravings okay. uh, during their pregnancy. Eighty nine percent, forty seven percent were craving a seasonal food that was out of season oh, at the time. Of course. <laughs> so the um, husband was going everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, 42% wanted an unusual combination of foods. And the weirdest craving combos, according to the survey, pickles and cheese, sardines with ketchup. Oh, that's disgusting. Disgusting. And peanut butter and marshmallow sandwiches. No, that one's not bad. Those are the uh, the top three, uh, according to the survey. Uh, but it's not all weird cravings. 89% of moms 
changed their health habits to support their pregnancies and they were eating healthier uh pre-dental vitamins and healthier food choices were two of the common adjustments for those uh who were with child i took prenatal vitamins yeah prenatal vitamins and healthier food choices except of course i don't know about healthier foods except of course you know for the uh whole peanut butter and marshmallow thing that's and sardines, sardines and, and ketchup. ketchup. That's disgusting. <laughs> My wife, Kyra, has joined us in the studio. It is time now for another collection of recipes from Kyra's Kitchen. And uh, no sardines and ketchup, no peanut butter, marshmallow sandwiches or anything uh, today. Nope. Uh, what we do have, first and foremost, is a sheet pan shrimp boil. Yes. Hmm, little seafood here. Yeah. Well, okay. I was like, this is something we did out at the cabin. Um, we did at this, our family's yeah, cabin. Yeah, our yeah. family cabin one one year, and it was awesome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but and if you, you think. And you think of seafood as being tough. Yeah. I mean, it's really easy to oh, mess up. Yeah. But this but is this is this easy. is easy. Yeah. And and uh, they did an actual boil where this is kind of a little bit easier. You don't have to have the pot and all that. Okay. Stuff. So, all right. So how do we do it? Yeah. So one pound baby yellow potatoes, three ears of corn, each cut uh, crosswise into about six pieces or so. A quarter cup of butter melted, three tablespoons of minced garlic, one tablespoon seafood seasoning, one pound medium shrimp peeled and divined one 13 ounce package of skinless smoked sausage and one lemon cut into wedges that's you know you don't have to have that it's just kind of gives gives the seafood a good flavor sure Uh, so preheat your oven to 400 degrees lightly oil a baking sheet or coat with nonstick spray in a large uh, pot boiling of uh, salted water cook your potatoes until just tender and parboiled about 10 to 13 minutes um uh and don't go over that 13 minutes because they're going to cook more when they're in the oven with the rest of your stuff yeah so uh stir in your corn during the last five minutes of cooking time drain well uh in a small bowl combine your butter your garlic and your seasoning place potatoes corn shrimp and sausage in a small layer on Onto your prepared baking sheet, stir in butter mixture, and gently toss to cover everything. Make it nice and yummy. Place in the oven for about 12 to 15 minutes or until the shrimp is cooked and corn is tender. Serve immediately with some uh, uh, lemon wedges, lemon wedges mm-hmm. if desired. Yeah. Now, uh, the way we did it uh, when yep. we were at the cabin uh, is we just basically put a, a big sheet out yep. on the table and just yep. dumped it all yeah. on the table. Yep. Instead and, of, you know, serving yeah. it up all nice and neat, yeah. you just dump and it, it all out. And it was an actual boil for yeah. us out there. So, one so of... Uh, you can do that. Uh, Chris's just, cousin, cousin's husband, yeah. he had everything there ready for us. Yep. It was amazing. Yep. It was That it was is, a fun day. It is uh, really good and yep. this much easier to do than that. To go yes. along with the sheet pan shrimp boil, you have a kidney bean salad. Yes. So Interesting. This, yeah, a little bit different. So three cans of kidney beans, one red bell pepper chopped, one yellow bell pepper chopped, uh, a half a red onion chopped, one small bunch of parsley diced, uh, and a half a cup of balsamic vinaigrette salad dressing. So uh, start, our, start off with draining and rinsing your kidney beans, then toss them in a bowl, mix in your peppers, onions, and parsley, add the salad dressing and toss it to coat refrigerate for at least a couple hours to kind of get all those yummy flavors through the salad and then uh serve and Real enjoy simple. really easy Real simple really and, easy uh, don't this even... is an easy one for a picnic yeah. that you could take and it could sit out and be okay yeah because yeah, there's because nothing in there there's nothing in there mm-hmm. so this is one of those things that's yeah. really nice the other thing you could do with this or is a you could luck. yeah or a potluck or and you could take some like nacho chips or something like that and serve it with it so you have a little bit of a crunch. Like a little mm-hmm. scoop uh, yeah. that way too. Yep. Uh, so the kidney bean salad with the sheet pan shrimp boil and yep. for dessert we have a recipe for brownie ice cream cups. Yes. So mm. this is real easy too. So one ba- box of brownie mix uh, 
plus your ingredients, your eggs, your oil, Everything all that stuff. Everything you need stuff. to make the yes, brownies. Right. It's on your box. Okay. Uh, cooking spray for your pan, ice cream for serving, uh, your chocolate sauce, your rainbow sprinkles, your marshino cherries, your whatever you whatever want. Whatever you like that. On your, so okay. preheat your oven at 350 degrees. Prepare brownie batter according to the box instructions. Uh, spray a 12-cup cup muffin tin with cooking spray. Uh, fill each hole about two-thirds full of the brownie batter. Uh, bake until a toothpick inserted in the center comes out. Uh, with You're going to have a little bit of moist crumbs with brownies. Mm-hmm. That's what you want. Yeah. You want it to be kind of ooey-gooey, yeah. yummy. Especially uh, yes, for these. for this. 20 to 25 minutes. Um, immediately upon coming out of the oven, uh, use the bottom of a shot glass, or I actually have a wood uh, piece that I got from Pampered Chef that I can just, you can make like little uh, divots in each one of your brownie bowls, because that's where your ice cream is going to go in there. Uh-huh. So you make your brownie bowl. Okay. So, um, and then let that cool for about 15 minutes. Uh, then um, place them in a bowl, add a scoop of ice cream to each brownie, uh, then top with your chocolate sauce, your sprinkles, your whipped cream, so, all your yummy stuff that you so like on top of so your So basically your brownie Sunday. is the cup yes. for the right. ice cream. Right. And uh, it's sort of like uh, bread bread bowls for soup. Yes. There you go. Much more yummy. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Very uh, good. The, uh, sheet, I love brownies. Sheet pan shrimp boil. The kidney bean salad and the brownie ice cream cups recipes are all posted on the Kyra's Kitchen Facebook page, yep, right? Yep. Uh, that is at Kyra's Kitchen WFIN on Facebook. And uh, of course, you can like the uh, Kyra's Kitchen Facebook page for more of those recipes. We also have it linked up at goodmornings.net. My wife, Kyra, thanks very much. You're welcome. And that will finish up our podcast for today. I want to thank all of our guests for joining us on the program this morning. Remember, you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each and every day on the show at our webpage. That is goodmornings.net. Coming up Monday on the program, local real estate agent and president of the Findlay Area Apartment Association, Tom Ross, will explain why he is heading up a ballot initiative to change a trio of city ordinances regarding zoning code changes, penalties for property code violations, and citizen input at council meetings. So until Monday morning, that is Good Mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day, a great weekend. We'll catch you back here next week.